Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to another episode of Attacking Third, a CBS Sports Soccer Podcast. I'm Sandra Herrera, lead NWSL writer for CBS Sports. Joined today, as always, by my colleague and co-host, Lisa Roman, broadcaster and analyst for CBS Sports. On today's episode, we're going live with a midweek recap and a preview of this weekend's slate of games. Before we get into everything, a quick reminder to subscribe to us live on YouTube for NWSL extended highlights, exclusive interviews, and our live recaps and so much more. YouTube.com slash attacking third. Hit subscribe. It helps us out big time here at A3. Hey, everybody. We're happy to be with you once more. Lisa, I'm happy to be with you, Bill. How are you doing today? I am so happy to be with you, Sandra. I am good. Um, ready to recap some games. I mean, we had three in this midweek, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then a lot of games coming up this weekend, six. Um, but yeah, it's yeah. good to be here, Sandra. Sorry, I'm a little tired. I just got off a flight Listen. this morning and now we're jumping on this live, but I am so ready for it. I want to let the good folks know how dedicated you are to what we do here at A3. Not only were you on some games this during this midweek, but you are like, you were like, we, we're gonna still go live. We're gonna like have it all all together, uh, you know, and go live, even though you're gonna be probably exhausted. And I love that you came with the hat energy. I'm like, yeah. yes, let's do this. Me and well, you that's because I have airplane hair, so <laughs> <laughs> I love it. You like it. I love it. Let's go. We're going to like start off this episode a little bit differently. We're going to do the recaps for everybody. We're going to hit you with previews and our picks for the uh, weekend slate of games. But there was a bit of news that dropped before we came on to the live here with you all. And we've got trades that are rolling in for folks who are unaware. And NWSL, there's a trade window that opened and took place. Uh, but that doesn't necessarily mean that the movement that took place has been announced yet so some of these trades are going to eventually trickle out maybe this might be the only one that happens during this window we don't know we unfortunately did also get some news about uh, Orlando Pride and having uh, Amanda Cromwell and first assistant head coach uh, Sam Green uh, being recommended to take administrative leave at the moment uh, there are ongoing investigations and part of reporting out of The Athletic is saying that uh, there is also a freeze on any move out of Orlando Pride as well uh, due to sources saying that uh, for fear of retaliation and such. And that is uh, under violation of the harassment policy within the NWSL. So that is something that uh, we will obviously be keeping a close eye on uh, as the investigations uh, eventually will hopefully reach a conclusion. Um, but frozen uh, for any movement out of that particular club. Uh, but in the meantime, there was a trade that was announced between Racing Louisville and Kansas City. So two clubs who obviously were doing some negotiating during that, uh, that, that window of time. And it was announced just this morning before going live that CeCe Kaiser and Addison Merrick have been traded from Racing Louisville to Kansas City Current. 
kids. So some things within this, Lisa, um, couple of hometown kids kind of yeah. sort of we've got Kansas, Kansas and Missouri uh you know in the within their within sort of racing Louisville's uh announcement or news release of this it talked about how they wanted to work with the players who had requested to maybe be closer to home and Kansas City excited to to get a pair of, of locals a forward and CC Kaiser defender and Addison Merrick in exchange Louisville will receive one of Kansas City's international slots through the 2023 season and hundred and fifty thousand dollars in allocation funds with an additional 25,000 should Kaiser meet certain performance-based criteria. So a trade with uh, a couple of conditions in this one. Did, did this one, how, how does this one shake out or feel to you when you sort of first saw the headline, Lisa? It surprised me, honestly. I mean, it's been the, the one not surprising thing about this trade is uh, teams and clubs in the NWSL have been vocal saying that they want their players to be happy where they are. And we saw a lot of California natives going to San Diego, going to Los Angeles based on where they were from. If they spent their college years there, basically wanting to play where they are. So the fact that Merrick and Kaiser are from the Kansas City area um, and that they wanted to go home or Kansas City wanted to have them home, a little bit of both, I'm sure, that's fantastic to see. That's great to hear. Um, I'm like a little surprised how racing Louisville benefits from this because they have an international roster spot. Yeah. Yes. But to, to get some allocation money in an international roster spot from Kansas city, but not a player is a bit su surprising to me, especially in losing a forward like Kaiser that has contributed significant minutes, um, developed a bit of a chemistry with Jess McDonald and racing Louisville and also a, a player in Addison Merrick who's defensively stepped in. She was coming back from injury and she uh, proved herself at racing Louisville and had seen minutes as well. So that was something um, that was a little interesting to me. And yes, the trade window is now open. So there are things that could be happening now with um, having an international roster spot for Racing Louisville. That opens up a whole door for th of things for Racing Louisville to bring in players over the summer um, and having the allocation money. But uh, I, I was a little surprised to see this because I think it'll help Kansas City, right? To have a player like CC Kaiser join in the attack w alongside someone like Hamilton. I think that could be really good and that could create some special things on that side along with a lot of the rookies that are doing well in Kansas City with Bennett and Luera. But uh, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm still looking at the racing Louisville side, a team that's in well throughout this regular season they're competing and now to lose two players um that have been getting significant minutes I'm, I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop almost but not in a bad yeah. way i'm with you i think that's an important point to make in this trade it, while it sort of feels like kansas city made a move for right now and the near future with these two players it um but it just feels on the on the louisville side of things that there's potentially another component in some sort of way uh in terms of what they might have in the pipeline oh, for yeah. themselves as well i mean that's a lot of money and allocation funds to to acquire in a trade um along with a conditional extra twenty five thousand dollars uh international slots that was plural in um in the Kansas City news release, uh, and those slots are through the 2023 season. So it just sort of feels like maybe there's a different component uh, that could be coming along. Yeah. In the or they already have an international player lined up that they're speaking to that they want to get, and, and that news will come um, 
in time. I don't think it'll drop today, but we'll let everyone know. We'll we'll yeah. keep you updated. It's, uh, yeah, it's just because those things are maybe ongoing, right? Doesn't mean they don't necessarily been announced yet. And that's what we'll be we'll get into uh, full NWSL matches. So some cool stuff out of uh, Liga MX Feminel. Uh, they recently announced that former Canadian international Carmelita Moscato is assigned on to the uh, coaching position. So we just wanted to say congratulations uh, to uh, the CONCACAF legend uh, getting a uh, expanding her uh, coaching experience and that's a huge huge gig to get because that is not uh that's not no little team out there <laughs> in league of x Feminel. they have sort of set the standard and they have sort of uh kind of become the powerhouse very rapidly in the very young league out in mexico so uh we'll see how she does something we'll obviously be keeping an eye on uh with us with a player like me official kind of in the mix with that team so we're excited to see how that rolls out but uh, that is all we have right now just for some quick news portion before we start getting into nwsl action we got to hit you out with the recap first we go before we go into the preview we have three games that we have to chat a little bit about before we do the previews lisa you were on the call for some of them i know people are probably excited to, to hear your thoughts on that as someone who sort of saw them uh back to back we'll start with uh let's, let's start with in order we'll go chronological mm -hmm. for everyone here i know when we usually do these live recaps immediately after uh match conclusions we start with maybe the most freshest match but because we're doing this the following day we'll just go in chronological order for everybody there was a midweek match on tuesday angel city versus houston dash both teams going up against each other for the first times with six matches played uh respectively so far this season between them uh this one ending out in a zero zero draw lisa remind us and everybody of uh, of the picks that we made for for this game um, for this one, you had a draw between these two and I had Angel City getting the win. Um, but yeah, a scoreless draw between these two sides. Um, I mean, you had predicted that right with your draw. I think I, rem I remembered choosing a draw, but I couldn't remember if I put a scoreline on it and I don't really, I don't believe I, I did, but, uh, I, I gotta say, Lisa, this, this game for a zero, zero draw, I, f I felt it was a, pretty exciting game i think that there are maybe perhaps some casuals mm -hmm. uh, you know out there who her, who walk not just nwsl but maybe soccer in, in general uh and maybe the idea of a zero zero draw isn't something that is intriguing or thrilling or exciting but i i loved this match between these two teams some of the things that we talked about in in, in previewing these and some of the things that were sort of the defining things for me in choosing a draw was, you know, the fact that Angel City has maybe cooled off a little bit mm -hmm. after kind of starting off, uh, you know, the regular season kind of kind of hot there. And then Houston Dash not going to be having somebody like a Rachel Daly in the fold. And the fact that it was a midweek match, you know, sometimes these midweek games have a certain level of energy or tempo or whatever within them. And I'm just, and maybe the unfamiliarity for me between these two sides with all the kind of encompassing things that were going to lead to a draw, but it was still very exciting to watch some really good individual performances. I think out on this pitch, what were some of yeah. your takes on this game? Yeah, I mean, I was impressed with individual performances. I think that's a really good way to put it. Um, someone like Danny Weatherholt, I think, had a a good game in the midfield for Angel City. Um, 
doing more than she had in previous games with with Angel City, right? Like I'm looking on an individual basis, uh, performance by performance, and the consistency was a little bit better. Her confidence on the ball, her ability to open up, switch the point of attack. We saw that a lot more against this Houston side than we had previously with Angel City when Weatherholt was playing in that role. Um, defensively, Angel City is, is good. They're pretty sound with going up against a team like Houston. Yes, they were without Rachel Daly. She's gone from the dash for the the next few weeks ahead of the Euros. Um, so she's Houston's going to get need to get used to not playing with her. But it was a pretty one sided game and one sided in terms of like actually location on the pitch. It was all happening down one side of the pitch. Um, Elizabeth Eddy had a lot of action. Maria Sanchez Chapman as well as Lucy and Endo. Like that that was the side of the field that all of the action was happening on. And when Weatherholt did pick up the ball, she was the one of the few players looking to switch it. When you have press coming in from the weak side, popping into those holes, Weatherholt was looking for press to open it up and switch it, which needed to, needed to happen for Angel City. Um, uh, June Endo, so fun to watch. This player is so all good. over the pitch. You think that it's gone to the other side of the field. There's no way Endo could have an impact right now and somehow continues to be involved in the play and do incredibly impressive things. Um, the outside wingers for Houston were, were very involved as well, Hanson and Eddie, and that's what needed to happen. They needed to contribute and get into the attack. There was a lot of opportunities in this goal, in this game. I mean, shots, 17 for Angel City, 16 for Houston. Expected goals were incredibly high. Angel City won uh, almost one and a half, which is uh, really good. They should have had probably two goals throughout yeah. the game. And with Houston, uh, 0.76. So the, the play in this game was it was good like these two teams were very well matched against each other I think if Rachel Daly was there it would have changed the game for Houston in yeah. in big ways but um she wasn't and it, they split the points on this one in a in a scoreless draw yeah I'm, I'm with you I think I think maybe I hate to talk about a player that that wasn't there you know on the on this night with the pitch but we chatted about it in, in the preview and we're echoing that now in, in this recap with missing somebody like a Rachel Daly and it just sort of feels like with that that this streak that the dash have been on it was it, it was going to be evident that that was going to be maybe a little bit of a disruption sort of missing uh you know having her absence you know in in light of kind of this uh this attack that we've been seeing from Houston with with Sanchez with Prince with Daly this really really kind of uh, a fun and exciting front line for them uh but i like that we still saw them so active uh in this game i liked uh the adjustments that were made by Loudon in in, in this one in uh, daily's absent um you called it i believe elosi got the, the uh to see some time there in, in that fourth mm -hmm. position uh to try to mix things up there for for the dash and, and uh, sanchez they're gonna lean on sanchez a lot with that with I, I think i think that was one of the things that, that came out of of this match for me that when I'm looking at these two sets, when I'm looking at the individual performances, I'm like, these are the two clubs that might have the argument for best acquisition this off season. And I think for angel city, you have to like say 
Junendo. And I think for Houston Dash, you're looking at Maria Sanchez. And you could just sort of see how very quickly uh, that they have become these integral parts of uh, their respective clubs. And um, yeah, even though this ended in a, in a 0-0 draw, I love that there was a lot there within kind of maybe these 1v1 battles with these two duos who were kind of maybe working together off each other on the pitch. Uh, but splitting the points for these yeah. two teams, uh, you know, out in uh, Los Angeles on Tuesday night. Let's uh, let's keep moving with the with the draws because that's that's what ended up taking place throughout midweek. It's a lot of draws. We're still gonna we're still gonna give you guys our, our picks and what they were uh, just to expose ourselves. I believe with Chicago Red Stars hosting Washington Spirit. This was the uh, first match of the Wednesday night doubleheader. Uh, two teams with some heavy legs. A lot of matches under their belt so far. I think for the picks, I think we both went Chicago. We did. We both one. had Chicago in this one uh, playing in Chicago, well, Bridgeview, Illinois, SeatGeek Stadium. Um, and I know you you were at the game. I was on the call for this game, so we were very tuned in, of course. And I had texted you before and said something along the lines of, like, these starting lineups because yeah. Washington Spirit had uh, thrown a bit of a curveball, at least for me in the broadcast booth after speaking <laughs> with Chris Ward and kind of hearing what he said. And, and he alluded to that there was going to be a lot of rotation and and yeah. this was a game to give players rest, um, which we saw Rodman did not start. Sanchez did not start. They came off the bench at halftime, but the starters for Washington were players that hadn't played a lot of time together on, on the pitch. Elwell, Hatch, Goff up front. Um, uh, the back line pretty consistent for Washington as it has been Kingsbury and goal. Helferty, Staub, Sonnet, and Rodriguez along the back line. But then Feist, Rodder, and Almer in the midfield. And this trio of the midfield unit was something that Ward was pretty excited about and excited to see their consistency and growing in. And it's, it's a very different look to have Feist, Almer, and Rodder in the midfield than it is to have Sanchez in there because Sanchez plays incredibly different than a player like Feist. Feist is someone that really likes to keep possession of the ball. She's going to take one, two touches, get rid of it, find the easiest simple pass, and keep possession. So like her touches are incredibly high, and her ball movement and her pass completion is incredibly high. However, her chances created aren't as obvious as chances created by Ashley Sanchez. When Sanchez picks up the ball in that attacking midfield role, she immediately goes forward. And that was the difference in watching the first half to the second half. And I'm, I'm not trying to jump ahead by any means because the first half was all Chicago. They had a great attack. Stevens is really fun player to watch. I've been loving watching Ella yeah. Stevens and, and Mallory Pugh. There were moments when there wasn't enough support and that's where you could see the, the heavy legs and the tired legs coming into play when um, they were passing around. They had so Chicago had so many opportunities in the first half. Yeah. It was, it was all Chicago, frankly, they kept so much of the possession and Washington was just looking to defend and sit back. And then at the halftime, Washington bringing on Sanchez and Rodman, then it, it ignited a spark in Washington that oh, yeah. changed the momentum of the game. Being at the game, what did you notice, especially from the first half and, and what Chicago was able to do? Oh, hundred percent. I'm in agreement with you. I think, um, you know, honestly, it just goes back to when the starting 11s dropped, quite frankly. I just sort of felt that maybe for head coach and Chris Ward, maybe there was a little bit of recency, you know, with, within his within his process there. Because um, we saw maybe something similar just about a week or so ago between these two teams where Petroselli and the coaching staff 
really started a bunch of their first year players and their rookies and tried to give them the opportunities first to have a good performance against a, a pretty talented spirit side. And here we are a week later and we're getting heavy rotation from the spirit. So it was kind of maybe like a little bit of a swap for mm -hmm. me in terms of um, perspectives. But I think in this game, I think you're spot on. I, I saw one very good uh, per first half performance from the Chicago Red Stars. And then I think you saw a very good performance in the second half from yeah. the Washington spirit. It was evident that perhaps maybe some of the game plan was for Chicago to try to take it to the team and uh, maybe get a goal and chase, continue to chase down the game uh, th through the second half. But they were getting into a lot of dangerous spaces, I noticed, which was good. And then, you know, you want to continue to see that development with, with Pew and other attackers for Chicago. Uh, but some of their shot selection was a little questionable for me. I mean, it was yeah. like directly either just narrow or wide of, of the far or near post uh, or just really directly at the keeper. Kingsbury just not, I wouldn't say challenge, but absolutely was doing her job. Could could read these shots yeah. pretty I mean, easily. I Kingsbury think, is, a, is a really good shot stopper. And when yeah. the shots are directly at her, yeah, that's a, that's an easy game. She's like, great, yeah. I'll collect all these balls. I'll, I'll make all these great saves. But yeah. they're not that difficult. I agree. I think the shot selection for Chicago, they were getting into those, those areas. And then there were moments when I wanted Pew to shoot earlier. Instead, yes. she took an extra <laughs> touch or two, yes. and that continued to narrow her angle towards the goal. And then yeah. without an angle, you have to be able to play it back, send a cross in, either cut it back to the penalty area or look far post. And there weren't enough runners in the box uh, because yeah. of heavy legs and just not a lot of support. So 100%. that was it. She needed to pull the trigger sooner, and maybe this yeah. would have been a different game for sure and I'm, curious, I'm curious if maybe that was something that she was tasked with you know by, by the coaches because there were moments where I was watching this live and maybe you don't see that on the camera because the camera's typically following the ball but I could see in the body language of Pew at times um, a little bit of frustration setting yeah. you know just because uh, you could sort of see that teammates she was on the ball at times and constantly looking like her head was on a swivel at moments and looking for the extra player looking for the extra outlet and just not seeing that um, and I think maybe in having the hold up and making that extra pass versus taking the shot maybe you know limit limited even more options for the team in the final third so although washington in the second half had more control and possession of the ball and, and a bit more energy than washington with the rotation of ava cook coming in up front mm -hmm. taking out stevens i think the play between cook and pew was much better than stevens and pew um and as you mentioned pew was looking around she was looking for teammates and looking for support and Stevens was looking to make the run to receive the ball in front, yeah. not necessarily support from behind. And that's where Cook was balancing out what Pew wanted a, a little bit more. Maybe that comes from sitting on the bench for 45 minutes and being able to watch and see where the spaces are. It's a huge advantage to a player. You can use that time on the bench knowing that you're going to go in and change a game to to see where the holes are and the gaps and where your presence is needed. Yeah, 100%. Um, I think it absolutely was a tale of two halves. I think when you have uh, players like Sanchez or players like Rodman who are able to come into the second half, you know automatically things are going to shift. Those are players, two players who do not need a long time to kind of shift things for their team. And you could see it. I mean, they absolutely not only leveled things, but eclipsed uh, certain stat areas like for for shots, uh, total shots or even shots on target within this game. Um, but it definitely hit 
midweek o'clock for me <laughs> in this game right around, I mean, I would say even earlier than the 70th minute or so, but definitely 75 to 80, you could start sort of see maybe uh, the ideas kind of just turning into, well, let's, what if we try to long ball and just see if some of these speakers yeah. can get on them? You know, it was, it was just a certain, certain energy at a certain point. And hey, listen, you can hardly blame these two teams, especially uh, Spirit, obviously have had an extremely heavy match load stemming back through Challenge Cup, the Red Stars currently in the middle of their heavy match load. It was uh, it was bound to happen uh, in this one, but I think we saw a good 45 in the first from Chicago and a, and a better 45 from the Spirit in the second. And because of that, I think the midweek energy they split the points. Yeah. Um, and, and shout and out to one. the goalkeepers. Alyssa Nair had a oh, fantastic yeah. game. Fantastic game. Yeah. Um, her like one handed save was incredible. One of the plays actually made uh, like top ten today. Two, two very vocal keepers, I think, in this one. I think that was the other thing that I noticed. Was, this was the rescheduled Challenge Cup uh, overlap game. For yeah. Chicago. This was initially supposed to be their home opener. I think some of the energy around it was like, hey, come take a look at this, you know, NBSL final rematch. Got pushed back. Obviously, it's midweek. The attendance was was not great. It was, uh, you know, kind of really rainy, gloomy day before that as well, adding to a different layer of, of things there. So it was pretty quiet in that facility, and you could hear these goalkeepers so loudly throughout it. I was having a good chuckle uh, <laughs> about it for for sure. But uh, good stuff. I think if you're into you know defensive shapes or goalkeeping, I think that uh, you know Kingsbury and both Nayer had a pretty pretty big performances in this one. For the two of them. Let's take a, a final look at this third match here. San Diego Wave versus Portland Thorns. Seven matches played to this point uh, before kickoff for the Wave. Six for Portland. And we had another draw, Lisa. But this one had some goals and quite the exciting finish between these two sides. Listen, we've chatted a ton on here about uh, the current form of somebody like Alex Morgan. We've talked a ton about the current form of somebody like Sophia Smith. I know many folks were excited to get a, get a look at, uh, at these players and how they were going to be performing on this night. I love the matchup, but uh, you know, uh, on the wave side of things in uh, Naomi Gurma on the back line going up against, uh, you know, an old teammate, Stanford teammate. And so that. that was great energy. I loved that as well. Uh, but it looked like the, it looked <laughs> these games all had a certain look in the first half versus their second halves, didn't they? It looked like uh, in the earlier portion of this game that Portland was perhaps going to uh, walk away the victors uh, in this one, when we're looking at sort of how the, the timeline of things occurred uh, in this match, one of the big things that has also been discussed when we're talking about San Diego Waves performances specifically is the fact that they're leading teams right now in uh, penalties and penalty yeah. conversions. And here we have Portland Thorns uh, with, a, with a penalty opportunity of their own. And it's Sophia Smith who ends up converting this uh, fairly early uh, within the opening 25 minutes. I believe it's minute 22 in this one. Yeah. But she finally converts it. Uh, but very, very early lead for Portland and uh, doing it against San Diego uh, and in San Diego on, on top of it. So um, having the uh, the half end with a one goal lead might not be something that uh, that a team looks at and, and gets too 
uh, down about. I think especially if you're San Diego side that is hosting at home and there's a lot of good energy on their pride night that night. Uh, they come out, Portland, excuse me, come on out though. And they get a goal immediately out of this second half and they get it by, uh, by Christy Sinclair. And, but what I really want to talk about was the fact that this was assisted by Sam Coffey. Cause I know I've been Ooh. talking about this player a lot on a three. I think we're, we're, we're trying to like talk about Sam Coffey a little more. There's a lot, there's a really great, uh, rookie class out here right now that are doing some really cool things for their club. And while you've got Guillermo with San Diego wave doing her thing on the back, then you've got coffee in the midfield here for, uh, for the thorns and Christine Sinclair, starting to rack them up a little bit for, for the thorns, but now you've got a, a lead that's uh, extended by two early in the second half. And that can maybe set some things in motion. I'm not saying panic, but it can definitely, definitely make you question your, your second half game plan. Because when you come out of the half, you're making those adjustments and boom, you're down by a go ahead goal immediately to start the second half. So uh, I was curious to see how this one was going to end and it did, it did not disappoint. It did not disappoint. This game was incredibly exciting. It was had a lot of good soccer, a lot of good moments, a lot of questionable moments. Um, but the the Sophia Smith penalty kick goal, um, I was so happy. I was just like smiling watching that happen. It was authoritative. She tucked it away so easily. The fact that Christine Sinclair is also standing on the pitch, uh, Sugita, another player that can knock down penalty kicks, and that the young Smith is is the one that gets to do it, and she does it. Um, lights out. It was really impressive to see. And yeah, the start of the second half, this little flick pass from Coffee right into the run of Sinclair. Like that's the cheekiness from Sam Coffee that we haven't been able to see enough with Portland. That's what she was doing with Penn State. That's what she did collegiately in the attacking end. She can find that final pass and, and chip it in with great texture on it. And she does a good job at that, but she's playing a much more defensive role with Portland. So we haven't been privy to all that Sam Coffey can do with the ball at her feet. And we saw glimpses of it and uh, what a fun player to watch in Sam Coffey. But we've got to talk about the San Diego side of it all because Taylor Korniak, player who knows Alex Morgan incredibly well. They shared time together at Orlando. They both moved over to San Diego. Ends up getting her first NWSL brace. She gets two goals in this match. First, uh, the the first goal coming in the 81st minute off of a set-piece opportunity. Um, Korniak's the target. She's the tallest player in the year in the league. And anytime there's a set piece, she is the target. She ends up getting it initially, but it falls to her feet and she ends up scoring the first goal with her foot. Uh, she roofs it on that set piece opportunity, um, which we haven't seen Portland give up a lot of corner kick goals this year already. Then, so that came in the 81st minute, about seven minutes later, 88th minute, it happens again. Another set piece opportunity. Korniak is the target and she bops it home. It's an incredible header. Um, it was a really good job by Taylor Korniak. I was super impressed with her ability on the pitch. Now, Sandra, San Diego should have won this. I'm going to be honest talk about it. Let's got to talk about it. The, go- the ball, the ball went in the goal. The ball went in the goal. There is no VAR in NWSL. And this is a moment where it, it hurts. Um, uh, it's, it's hard to totally fault the officials because this game happened so fast. If this happened in a, a Premier League or a Champions League game, they probably wouldn't have called it a goal and it would have gone immediately to VAR and then they would have determined what happened. But these official in the NWSL, they don't have that luxury of 
having even three seconds to think about that decision. It's a split second decision. And if the center official doesn't see it, something happens. He was not standing on the goal line. And it's really hard to see if a ball crosses a line completely when you're not within five feet of it. So then it becomes the sideline official's responsibility to be standing on the end line so he can see directly down the line and see if the ball crosses the post or not. Because you can't see the, the, the chalk. You can't see the white line on the grass at that point. You just see the post. Um, a great job to the CBS Sports Network crew, Jen Hildreth, Lori Lindsay, for going back and asking for those replays and asking to see them again in slow yeah. motion. Can you zoom in? Can you close up? Because as viewers, we were then able to see that, yeah, the ball bounces on <sighs> the other side of the line. Maybe there was like a blade of white grass under the ball, but no, I ball really don't think there was. I don't think there was. And um, yes, that's that's kind of what happened. But San Diego continued to fight, right? They ended up splitting points with the Thorns. They came back and they were able to get two, but man. Yeah. I am. Um, I was frustrated for them. I'm I was frustrated for them too. <laughs> Listen, I, <laughs> it's tough. It's a tough position to, to be put. In. I'm talking, you know, I was talking earlier as we began talking about this game, you know, the, the adjustments that the mental adjustments, let alone just the tactical or, or, or just or performance adjustments that you have to make, maybe being down a goal at half, coming into the half and going down very early and maybe sort of, you know, sort of having the potential for, for Dazzle. We don't, we didn't see that from this San Diego side. I think it's what I'm most impressed with as we continue to see their growth in, uh, in the regular season and in the league, quite frankly, because they're an expansion side. Um, I love that that didn't deter them or, or, uh, you know, have, you know, something like frustration settle in for them. I love that Korniak comes out the hero on this one uh, in this match. You know, she has been, she's been huge for, for this San Diego side. I think, you know, her time in Orlando um, with different coaches, uh, I wouldn't say underutilized, but just not utilized in, in a, in a way that could benefit uh, the team around her. And I think her time with, with San Diego, the short time so far, we're starting to see what a player like Korniak uh, can do. I mean, yes, everyone's chatting about Alex Morgan and in the form that she's in right now, you know, leading the team in total shots, leading the, the team in total shots on target, leading the team in goals, but you know, who's number two, right behind her this entire time has been Taylor Korniak. Yeah. So uh, to see this player finally get the breakthrough in that way um, on the, on the scoreline, you know, uh, I, I'm thrilled for, for them because I think for um, most casuals, you, you maybe sort of don't recognize the, the performance until your name is called a lot more. And Korniak has sort of been doing some work and where, which maybe her name is not called pretty often, but uh, she has been sort of, uh, you know, becoming an integral part of this midfield and uh, connector for, for the attack uh, in the wave. So I, I love that uh, they were able to, to fight through it and still get a point, even though the frustration of that goal, because it was a goal on a replay. We're all in agreement with that here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but still seeing, but still seeing, uh, still seeing just sort of the fight, the energy and uh, the team to be able to sort of uh, rally behind uh, her and, and each other and kind of get the result was incredibly, incredibly cool. And uh, I think if you're Portland, you're looking at this one and you're, you're saying, you know, maybe we, we should have had three points in this one. But, you know, I love that we are here talking about three 
draws in three very different ways uh, on the recap portion of this episode. I, you like it. I love, I love it. it. We've got we've got more to get through. We've got previews and picks to make for everybody. So stay with us. We'll be back after a quick break. From the world of Sonic the Hedgehog, a new hero arrives. I am ready. Is there anyone stronger? No. Tougher. No. Funnier. I do not make jokes. I make warriors. Knuckles. Now streaming only on Paramount Plus. Yes. All right. Let's talk about it. We've got all 12 teams, six matches. Full weekend slate. We've got a triple header on Saturday. It's Washington Spirit versus North Carolina kicking off at 7 p.m. Eastern on Saturday. Racing Louisville versus Angel City Saturday, 8 p.m. Eastern. Kansas City Current versus Gotham FC, 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Let's start with this first one, Lisa. Who you got in Washington Spirit versus North Carolina? I have North Carolina winning this one. I'm going to start with my pick. Um, Washington is is tired. Yeah, they they rested some players. They had some player management. Um, Andy Sullivan did not play. She was actually listed as out for the midweek match against Chicago, but a bit of precautionary there, um, wanting to make sure that she continues to get better, knowing that they have a big match against North Carolina coming up. Um, this is a rematch of the Challenge Cup final. And... Yep. Caroline is back. Um, uh, North Carolina has Gray that's ready to go, continuing to get minutes and, and be a significant factor. Casey Murphy is back and doing incredibly well with North Carolina. Um, uh, North Carolina is at the bottom of the standings, and now standings don't mean much, but they're one win, three losses, and one draw in this regular season. They're coming off their first win in this regular season since the Challenge Cup. And a lot of that has to do with getting their players back, making sure everyone's healthy, and then what they're able to do with those players and with that personnel. And Washington's coming off of a really tough tie against Chicago. It's at Segra Field. So, frankly, yeah. that's a bit of a disadvantage to both sides. Yeah. And Chris Ward will say that. He was pumped to go to SeatGeek Stadium and play there because he, he loves that field. It's bigger. It's wider. It's a great turf. So now playing at Segra, disadvantage to both sides. I still give North Carolina the advantage. It's Segra is a very narrow field. It's not yeah. very wide. And the way North Carolina plays with their box midfield and their outside backs and Matthias and Pickett getting up and, and occupying that wide flank space – it's it's a narrow field, so the box is going to feel a lot bigger to a team like Washington than it has in, in previous matches, uh, for instance, in the Challenge Cup final. So because of that, North Carolina is going to control the midfield a little bit better. They're going to find their outlets and Matthias and Pickett, who are going to be able set, to send better crosses in and more frequent crosses in because the field's a little bit narrower and, and Washington uh, they're tired right now. Um, so I see North Carolina. What about you? It's tough. I'm with you 100%. For all the uh, aforementioned uh, reasons, um, yeah, North take Car- all my reasons. North Carolina is my pick. I think uh, I think they have the the better. They're going to have the better outside backs uh, yeah. in this match for sure. I think that's going to make a, a huge difference in this game, especially when you've got you know a player who likes to to create some chaos on the wings like like Trinity Rodman. Um, only went forty five against Chicago, but uh, I just think that uh, ultimately. That's not going to be a match that could be easy on her because even if they try to switch her, you've got Matthias on one hand, you've got no. Pickett on the other. That's a that's a tough duo to try to to, to break down. And uh, I really want to see Caroline kind of, uh, you know, utilize the, the minutes in front of her, you know, in terms of finally being back. But I don't know how that's going to look on a pitch like Segra. Um 
like you mentioned, into the narrow dimensions and just even to the turf, it's a funny way the, that makes the, the ball. It's a certain type of trajectory that, that spins on the ball after you sort of kick bounces straight up. You know, it's it's tough. It's tough. So we'll we'll see what happens. I mean, who knows? Maybe this has the makings of a draw. I don't want to jinx it. But there's I know. I thought that. I thought that too. Of, but there's a lot of familiarity between these two teams. And that's always something I think about where I'm like, maybe this is actually going to shake out in a draw. But I didn't want to start off our picks with a draw. So I'm going North Carolina as well in this one racing louisville versus angel city racing louisville just made a trade and now they are going to be going up against angel city at least how you're picking in this one and why i think the trade is hurting racing louisville i mean we talked about that in our news segment at the very start of this episode losing players like cc kaiser um, who have scored a goal, who's grown familiar with playing along Jess McDonald and Mina Ekic and, and another player in Addison Merrick, a defender for Racing Louisville that's both now at Kansas City. Um, this is tough for Racing Louisville, and they're not going to have another player before then, I, I don't think, not that I know of. Um, and Angel City, yeah, they're coming off of midweek game, but it was a really well-fought game against Houston. Angel City hasn't won in three games. Um, I honestly could see the makings of a draw in this one as well, but I'm going to give the upper hand to Angel City in this match. I think losing a player like Kaiser um, takes away a lot of depth that Racing Louisville had in their attacking line and a bit of versatility that they have, and it's a detriment to them and that they need to figure out how to work around that. Um and it's not going to happen in a few days' time. So Angel City in this one, I I, I think Press is going to get a goal, actually, in this one. I would love to see it. Uh, I'm also going Angel City in this one as well. I just think going from a Tuesday to a Saturday is a little bit different than going from a Wednesday to a Saturday. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I know the travel is, is always going to be something in, in the back of a coaching staff's mind for, for the team and preparations for this one. But I just I just believe that the form that we saw at Angel City is going to carry them over in terms of momentum in, in racing uh when they go up against racing. I'm not going to say that uh, the absence or, or the immediate trade of, of uh of a uh, Merrick or, or Kaiser is going to be the detrimental downfall of <laughs> racing Louisville. Like you and I both said, we think maybe there's another piece that's coming to that eventual trade. Uh, but for right now, for this weekend, it's, you're shaking things up a, a little mm -hmm. bit with your team ahead of a game that's that's going to be happening very, very soon. So uh, they're going to have to make some adjustments without the depth there. And uh, I just think that what we saw to Junenda, what we saw to Simone Charlie, what we saw to Tyler Lucy, what we saw to Kristen Press, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I just think those pieces are going to come through with a result uh, for, for Angel City. And I'm going to uh, say that it's going to be a win for them. Yeah. Uh, Kansas City Current versus New Jersey, New York, Gotham FC. Lisa, if you don't mind, I think I'm going to go first on this one. I want you to go first. Does Gotham get a third straight win? No, I think I'm going to save my, <laughs> I'm going to save my, I saved my draw and I want to save it for this Saturday game of the three of them. I think that there's going to be some exciting soccer between these two teams. I like teams that have not uh, been playing each other too often in this, uh, in this uh, 2022 calendar year yet. And this is a duo of those teams right here. I think there could be some fun surprises within it. I'm excited to see Elise Bennett get a run at that Gotham FC defense. I 
think they've got some really good pieces there uh, that maybe they just got some new footage on the young rookie to sort of go off of. But I love the way uh, Lise Bennett plays. And I think uh, in this game, Kansas City absolutely has to start her. And for Gotham, I think they are going to want to continue to try and build on their performances. We've talked a lot about the fact that they've been picking up these wins, but within these wins, there are not a ton of answers to the questions that we've had around this team and their attack. And, uh, wanting to see a little bit more from that, but I'm not too sure if we are going to see it in this match between these two sides. I think this has the makings of a draw and that's what I'm going with. How about you, Lisa? I like that you're sticking with the draw. This is uh, Gotham's had a hard time scoring, right? They, yes, they are coming off two wins, but they're narrow wins. One, nothing wins where um, frankly in, in the game versus uh, Gotham, it was, or excuse me, in the game versus Angel City, it was one opportunity that Gotham was given. And if Yamanamanu was able to score it, and but that was it. Like their expected goals for that game was under 0. 0.5. They were, they don't have that much attack. They're a much more defensive team this year. They're sitting yep. back and they're not attacking. I think Kansas City's going to win this one. I think I with it. Elise Bennett, as you mentioned, she's a player that has continuously grown with Kansas city and what she's been able to do. She's gaining more confidence. Um, we talked about losing Kaiser and Merrick for racing Louisville, Kansas city gets to add them. I think we could see minutes from Kaiser, um, in, in this match for Kansas city. I do see that happening over a, a team like Gotham, but Gotham just offensively, it isn't there enough And Kansas city defensively, um, no, they haven't been great this year, 11 goals against in this regular season, but also they're going up against a Gotham team that isn't putting up 15 shots a game. So it's it's making that one, two really big stop in that defensive play, which Kansas City can do hands down, whether it's their back line or even AD French in goal. So I have Kansas City taking the win on this one. I love it. I love it. Let's move ahead to Sunday. Another triple header of matches for everyone to take a look at. San Diego Wave FC versus OL Reign. That one is kicking off at 5 p.m. Eastern. When we're looking at these two, we got another couple teams with a lot of familiarity between them. Lisa, who are you picking and why? This one might be my draw, Sandra. All right. Tell me why. might be my draw. There's just something so gritty about San Diego um, that they can pull out a win. And with OL Reign, they're a team that can put up shots and they can get opportunities and create chances, but it's finishing those opportunities that hasn't been consistent enough. And when you're going up against a San Diego back line that has Germa in the back line and Kaylin Sheridan in gold that yes, they just conceded two goals against Portland, but one of those was a penalty kick and another was an incredible little cheeky pass um, in by Christine Sinclair to find that goal. So in the run of play, San Diego is is a bit better at shot stopping, and that's largely in part due to Kaylin Sheridan. Now in set pieces, San Diego, not always the greatest, but against a team like OL Reign that can put up shots and they can put up chances, they also have an incredible goalkeeper in Fallon Tullis-Joyce. I think it's going to come down to a goalkeeper keeper battle between these two sides. Sheridan, Tullis-Joyce making huge saves across the pitch. Yeah. Um, a quick turnaround for San Diego from a, a Wednesday to Sunday match, but I, I don't think that matters with this gritty, gritty team that we're seeing in San Diego. Taylor Korniak coming off of the brace. I expect to see big things from Alex Morgan in this match against O.L. Reign. It's, she tends to rise to the occasion against big teams and, and put up a big performance. So I see a draw between these two. 
All right. I respect it. Listen, I think I, I'm not anti-draw. We're not anti-draw on A3, but I just love to hear the, the reasoning behind it. I'm with you. I struggled with this one a little back and forth. I said, am I going to save my draw for this one? Am I going to try to cheat and say, oh, I should get a draw on Saturday's games and on Sunday's games? But I'm actually going to go with a winner in this one. And I think that San Diego is going to take it. I think that going again, like I said, going from a Tuesday to a Saturday for maybe a team like Angel City might have a little bit of different energy. And I think that's the same thing here with going from a Wednesday to a Sunday for San Diego, a team that is not going to be traveling. They are going to be the hosts in this one. I'm loving the coaching uh, matchups that we have been seeing between Casey Stoney and Laura Harvey in this one. And I think if San Diego can uh, continue to sort of target somebody like a Sofia Huerta, because the blueprint is out there, while we're very, very impressed with what uh, Huerta has been doing for, for the rain and how the rain have sort of been uh, utilizing her as this key component to their offense there's a lot of footage out there there's a lot of tape out there on how to maybe try to limit uh this attack from ol rain and we'll see if casey stoney is going to utilize uh you know a player to sort of task uh you know huerta specifically but i'm going with san diego in this one i like the way they ended their match against portland they absolutely had the momentum they're probably chopping at the bit the fact that they probably should have had the win I'm not too sure if we're going to get a high school a goal scoring affair in this one because we've seen this all right. I struggle to break through and put up multi-goal games. That is not something that we've been seeing from San Diego. We've been seeing them able to put up multi-goal games. So not only am I going with San Diego, I'm going with a multi-goal win for them as well. Hopefully we wow. get to come on here and talk about it. We'll see. Chicago Red Stars versus Orlando. I, I'm writing that down. I'm writing down multi-goal win. Print it. <laughs> Printed Chicago Red Stars versus Orlando Pride. We've got two teams that have faced each other and had a little bit of a, a wild ending to that one. A 4-2 game the last time these two teams met. Uh, some midweek energy for Chicago going into this one, but they are the hosts, Lisa. Uh, Orlando Pride obviously dealing with some things off pitch. Uh, but if you are looking at these two teams, do you have a winner and why? I have Chicago winning this one. As you mentioned, a very high-scoring affair. These two teams played um, just a few weeks ago in May. And with Chicago and what they were able to do, they did have Bianca St. George in that match. She actually ended up getting a goal. Pugh had a brace. And then the rookie Griffith also had a goal. But it was Orlando's late surge in the game um 83rd minute amy turner and then the 87th minute a goal from leah pruitt that shows that orlando is they can be down but they're not out and that's something that you need to keep an eye on and this chicago team is one that hasn't always been good at doing that we saw just uh last week the first time that chicago and washington played each other in this regular season Washington was able to come back and equalize in that game towards the end of it in the 80 plus minutes of that game and get the equalizer despite Chicago having the lead since the 10th minute of that match. So it's it's playing up with Chicago that actually hurts them a little bit more if they they need to get multi goals and then they can um afford to concede a goal in a match like this. Now, going up against a team like Orlando, I still see that Chicago is going to win this one. I think they'll they'll go again and, and get the win. Orlando just, they've been struggling. They're coming off of two losses and a draw. They, they've put together good moments of games, but um, now with Amanda Cromwell uh, gone and there's, um, are on leave right now, 
restrictive leave and, and Sam Green, first assistant, there's a bit of turnover in the coaching staff. I, I think that could help a team like Orlando. It's it's good to kind of get some fresh blood in there. And with a player like Sydney LaRue, she can make things happen. But I still see Chicago getting the win in this one. What are you thinking? Chicago, all the way. <laughs> I'm going the Red Stars. I'm going Red Stars, baby. Listen. This this game, this last game between these two ended kind of uh, kind of chaotic. We saw the return of Mal Pugh. She came into the second half. She had a ridiculous 45-minute performance. I'm also wondering if somebody like uh, Bianca St. George is going to be available mm. for, for this match. She has been someone who's uh, currently been out chatting with uh, head coach Chris Petroselli ahead of that midweek match against the Spirit. He alluded to the fact that St. George's is still uh, unavailable, that the Wednesday match would probably be a game too soon for her return, but the, that the potential for her return against Orlando Pride was possibly more likely. Now, we don't have the availability reports ahead of that, but in the event that somebody like St. George is available, I really liked the combination play between Pew and St. George during that initial match between the Pride. I think that that is a player that maybe Mallory Pew, while she has her head on a swivel looking around, will be there for her as an extra outlet. We will see. We'll see if she's available or not. If not, I imagine that somebody like a Sarah Louver will continue to get the start uh, in her absence. But uh, I just think that being the host in this one, still having a quick turnaround, but not having the travel, having the momentum of their previous game could possibly benefit the Red Stars, their midfielders have had a lot of minutes on their legs, but they are still putting a ton of good performances out there. So we'll see how this one shakes out, but I, I'm giving this one to the Red Stars. Last one for Sunday, Lisa. We've got Houston Dash versus Portland Thorns. This one is kicking off at 7 p.m. Eastern. You got a winner in this one? And why? I love this matchup between these sides. Um, when we look at Houston versus Portland, Houston, they're they're doing all right right now. I mean, they they had the one game without Rachel Daly, but um, it's a lot of pressure to put on players like Maria Sanchez and Michelle Prince to, to control everything. And at the pace that Portland's going right now, they were able to score two against San Diego and then um, a series of some events. San Diego gets back into it. They end up tying that one. Um, in this match, I see Houston taking the win. Or, I'm so sorry. I see Portland taking the win. Gosh, I'm so sorry, everyone. I would have been I good either way. <laughs> Portland taking the win over Houston. They're playing in Houston, so a bit of an advantage to the dash in this sense. Um, and I really do like what Sarah Loudon has been able to do with the dash. Uh, I just think that Portland's a bit stronger at this point with Smith, Sinclair. Uh, Janine Becky is also getting good, consistent minutes and contributing a lot. I see Portland taking the win in this one. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm looking at these two. I, I like the matches between Houston and Portland in recent seasons. I would say maybe stemming as far back as 2019 for me. There has been something about these two teams going head-to-head where we see a really good competitive fixture between the two sides. And I imagine that's going to be no different in this one. And while Houston are the hosts in this one, they took that last game on the road against Portland, all three points in that one, 2-0 win. I think that Portland is going to come in this one a little bit prepared in a different way. Again, a huge playmaker involved in that win was Rachel Daly. 
also going to be absent. I'm going with Portland as well in this one. I got to imagine that they're also equally a little frustrated Mm -hmm. in how their match ended against the wave. And despite having the quick turnaround, again, I think it's just different going from, you know, a two day rest week or to a three day rest week, Wednesday to Sunday, from Wednesday to Saturday. Uh, We will see what that looks like. I think if there is player rotation, which will likely come into play for Portland, not a big deal. They've got some really good depth on that bench. Players who can slot in and plug in and wherever in the system, you could see it's still working for this Thorns side. So I'm going to be looking at Thorns for the win as well. So you know what we're going to do when we come back here, Lisa? We're going to talk about what we were right or wrong about when it comes to recapping these games. Listen, everybody. Thank you all so much for listening to Attacking Third. We appreciate you all so much whenever you take the time to join us live. You can follow us on TikTok, Twitter, and Instagram now at Attacking Third on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere you listen to your shows. We're available video. Subscribe to us at youtube.com slash Attacking Third. If you have questions for us, you can leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts with your question, and we'll answer it during a mailbag segment. And we'll be back to recap all of these games. For Sandra Herrera and Lisa Roman, this was Attacking.